0: That movie sucked. I kind of liked it.
1: Movie night crew network.
0: Hey, look at you. You're here at the beginning of the restricted section podcast. How did you even get here? I don't know. Maybe you scrolled to the top. Cause that seems like a really natural place to start something. I think it was Julie Andrews who said, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. That, Super applies to learning music theory in the sound of music, but like maybe it doesn't apply to podcasts because, like, maybe I didn't know what I was doing when we recorded the first episode. Maybe the first episode is me and eight of my best friends in a room all screaming into one microphone. Maybe if you listen to our most recent episode first, you'll get a better idea of what this podcast is. So for those who don't mind terrible audio quality or for those who have already decided they like us and want to start at the beginning, just carry on and freaking happy trails. But if you're sampling the restricted section with this very episode, maybe don't. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe just like click around a little bit and see how it goes. I've learned so much since I started this podcast. So just thank you so much for your grace and understanding. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious, because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Today, Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived. I think most of us are probably really familiar with chapter one of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is called The Boy Who Lived, a phrase that we hear really consistently throughout the series. It starts with Vernon Dursley, of all people, as our introduction to the world of Harry Potter, a muggle, the worst kind of muggle, if you ask me. He wakes up and he goes about his work day. He notices first a cat. In the garden, reading a map, uh, but not reading a map because obviously cats don't read maps. And then he goes to work and he notices just some weird things throughout the day. Owls and people dressed really strangely. And he thinks he hears somebody on the street, one of these cloaked people, talking about his nephew, Harry, Harry Potter, the son of Petunia, his wife's sister, Lily um vernon dursley goes home he broaches the subject of harry with his wife petunia she's not keen to engage in the conversation so vernon ends his day uneasy he goes to bed and then out in the garden a man appears you know who he's wearing high heels and half moon spectacles and a great cloak and he has a beard down to his knees and a twinkle in his blue eyes. And this man is Albus Dumbledore. And the cat is no longer a cat. The cat becomes Professor McGonagall. They talk about James and Lily Potter, who have died. They talk about Voldemort, who has been vanquished. But most importantly, they talk about Harry, the boy who lived when Voldemort tried to murder him. And Dumbledore has decided to leave harry in the custody of his aunt and uncle and eventually hagrid the half giant appears on a flying motorbike naturally that is a very safe way to transport an infant and he has harry in tow and they they leave him there with the dursleys so hey everybody how's it going Great! Great. <laughs> wow, that didn't sound wow. forced at all. Fair to average. <laughs> um, I'm really excited that you guys are all here around my score table. We are drinking butter beer, which is a combination of cream soda, Guinness, Smirnoff vanilla, and butterscotch snaps. So that is what we're drinking today. Um, we It's very good. The Guinness really helps um, to make it not as sweet as some other butter beer recipes. So let's just do a quick roll call. Who's here today? Haley! Grace, Mary Clay,
2: Andrew, Brooke, Mike,
0: yay, oh, and me, Christina, your host, yay, so today we read The Boy Who Lived, which, like, it's just like coming home, right, after like a long vacation,
3: Can I start by saying that I realized this is a complete blast from my childhood. The book edition that I'm using, I got from the Scholastic Book Fair.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. And it
3: only cost me $5.99. I I have the same edition. This is, I
4: think this is the one that my mom bought me because it's got my name written in my mom's very neat handwriting. And the cover is ripped off. The
0: cover is verified completely gone. I'm reading the illustrated edition that just came out by... um, um, Bloomsbury.
1: When when I moved out of my parents' house, I think I left my books there, or they're in storage somewhere. So I went to Second and Charles to get nice a used one. But I can see through the uh, sticker that they put on it that this was originally six fifty. So inflation had already hit.
0: Which one are you reading over there? I am actually reading um, the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, oh I know we shit. Had mentioned that we're not gonna do that, but sorry. <laughs>
1: It's okay. You just yeah. have to read in a British accent. Now.
0: Well, that'll <laughs> be a treat. So. They're really
5: beautiful covers. Though. It's yeah, the new the, new the new versions. We should add.
0: It's funny because I'm reading the illustrated edition, which I I didn't. I I mean, I thought it was American because it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, but the interior is either the British version or a hybrid. I've not figured it out yet. It definitely uses the single quotes from Britain. And it also has a couple just like weird phrases that made me, I was like, these, this is definitely not in the original.
2: So something, something I really want to highlight is, is that, well, one, uh, me and Brooke are sharing a book because I usually give away my books, but the thing I really love about the Harry Potter books is how the covers really like invite your imagination. And I think if we're going to discuss that first chapter, we've got to discuss the fact that your eye is immediately caught to, like, this crazy cover. And I think it really, like, sets a tone and, like, paints a picture and creates its own narrative before you even crack the page, which I really love.
0: Yeah, so this is a original American Scholastic cover, which I think a lot of us are really familiar with. Definitely my original series that I got was the hardcover Scholastics, and I think a lot of people are the same. And it, it is just such a... Yeah, it just is really, like, heartwarming to look at my boy Harry. You start reading these really dismal first chapters, and you're like, it's cool he cuts on a broomstick at some point. There's hope. There's
3: hope. Real question I've never had answered, though, who is Candlestick Hand on the back?
4: I think that's also Harry. I think that's, like, one of the multiple times (laughs) he, like, sneaks out at night.
1: Which also applies that later on, he's holding a candle underneath a cloak. Which does not. He does sound that. Right.
0: He does that with great frequency. He's yeah. eleven. He's not smart. Um, he definitely when he goes to the restricted section, um, does that a lot with the invisibility cloak, and it is quite dangerous.
4: I think it was technically a lantern. Uh, and then eventually they figure out Lumos, but that takes a couple of years. I would like to argue that a lantern
0: is still dangerous. <laughs> Oil everywhere. <laughs> I'm just saying
4: less dangerous than an open flame. And you're right.
0: The invisibility cloak. Flammable. All spoilers all the time. It is made from death's own cloak. Mm-hmm. So I think probably is flame returning. <laughs> oh my god, Hogwarts is burning down. Quick, <laughs> <What>? get the
2: <laughs> So I think that's something to bring up here, is that witch education and wizard education, like, it's really crappy because... When you're a muggle, you get taught stop, drop, and roll and like don't play with fire. They're like, no, play with fire all the time. <laughs> wear quotes. Yeah. yeah, they're they're very like just
4: leaving the children their own yeah. voices and whoever survives survives. They're like, it's a stone yeah.
0: castle, Hogwarts is gonna be fine.
3: To bring it into the chapter that
0: we read. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you.
3: Wizards are bad at everything is how we yes. start this because they are literally running around in the streets oh in cloaks. They're so dumb. Just screaming at people what is essentially utter nonsense and the only person bothered by this is of course Professor McGonagall who is literally just like people aren't being careful at all and Dumbledore is like yeah let's go to a rager
2: effectively how he ends
0: the yeah. chapter.
3: <laughs>
2: um he
0: definitely like reading this, like rereading this, I'm like, every damn one of these wizards is flipping Delegus Diggle who sets off the fireworks in one of the later books.
1: Can I share with you all one of my deeply held fan theories from a very long time ago? Please do, that's
0: what we're here for. I think
1: that not only is Daedalus Diggle the one that set off the shooting stars, I think he's the one that bumps into Uncle Vernon. Because oh, it in, doesn't in say him by chapter. name, but it says that he has a violet cloak, which he's always known to wear purple. And the way that he has the high, squeaky voice and he talks about, like, even a muggle like you. Mm. I, I just always assumed in my head that Daedalus was, like, just chilling around London, bumping in muggles, and then went off and set off some giants shooting stars in the countryside.
0: That is a great theory, and I wonder if J.K. Rowling, like, wrote this random character in the first chapter and then, like, couldn't quite shake him, well, you know, I had to bring him back. Well, like,
4: the <laughs> thing with this chapter is that there's so many, like, names that crop up that crop up later. Like, I remember yes. was the first, like... The first time I ever reread the series, like, on my own, uh, seeing the mention of Sirius Black, like lending the bike to Hagrid, I was like, "What the
5: fuck!" Reading this chapter, there were several points where I wanted to cry. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, the one, and when it when he mentioned, "Oh yeah, I ran into Sirius, Hagrid mentions, "I ran into Sirius and I got the bike," and knowing what we know. It happens in the future that this is the night where everything went so wrong but, for him. Like this
0: is the last thing he does before his and life gets ruined. I like reached yeah. out and
5: like pet the page, and I was
1: yeah. like, That's "Okay, my <laughs> that, that actually brings up another good point, though, which is that Dumbledore either knows everything here or he knows nothing, nothing. because in his mind, the last person that he thought was the secret keeper, because he's the one who performed the Fidelius Charm. At least that's what I remember. If we haven't gotten back yeah, to that far. Obviously.
0: Yeah, that's completely right. was
1: serious. So the fact that James and Lily were found means that either Dumbledore had the knowledge that he had passed it on to Peter Pettigrew, or Dumbledore's just sitting there like, oh, you ran into serious. How'd that go? Good. Wow. Um, yeah. Good, day. Yeah, See, great, I, wonderful. I think
4: uh, Lily might have been the one who performed the Fidelius charm, because, like, she was supposed to be really adept with charms, and I don't think that Dumbledore knew about the switch, because, like, even with the whole, like, Sirius wasn't given a trial thing, like, that's a pretty big oversight, and Dumbledore does have a lot of pull with the government.
0: Okay, not to get too much into Book 3 stuff, but... I don't think Lily could've performed her own charm, a charm about herself. I think that that may, I'm just inventing rules right now, but I think that may be a magical fallacy. Dante, <laughs> <laughs> buddy, my cat is on the table. He is, He's like
4: halfway on onto Andrew's
0: his book. book. I'm gonna he remember.
1: He was nudging my arm like, you're gonna pet me <laughs> This know. is fine
5: now. Well, while Christina moves the cat, <laughs> Jumping in to say that I think Dumbledore is the one who suggested to the Potters that they have a secret keeper situation. Yeah, that was it. Which is weird here because I think he knew, either he just suggested, hey, you should get a secret keeper and didn't know who it was, or he knew it was serious. And I feel like he had to have known it was serious because he was the one that suggested it, and I bet it was his magic that did it. And I think that's something that we might have to, like, talk about throughout all of this is, like, did J.K. Rowling really know everything?
2: A lot of fans talk about that, where they think that she really didn't make the plot past, like, book three, book four. But I think that's actually kind of the beauty that lends that first chapter, because we're exposed to the characters. There's obviously a back plot that she's already created, but at the same time, those ties aren't there, so there's a there's Foreshadowing, but there's also a lack of foreshadowing about certain characters, which really lends the imagination and the ambiguity of it. Like you feel like you've stepped in the middle of something you have no clue about, which is a really great feeling to be exposed to because it's, it's, you fall, you learn with Harry.
0: I don't know if you covered this while I was, um, expelling my cat, expelling or missing my cat. It's
2: Um, not the appropriate spell.
0: Um, um okay. i was vanishing he for anything <laughs> he, <didn't laughs> arms for anything. Um, he mm-hmm. has been disarmed um but definitely jk rowling is on the record that she wrote the end first but that doesn't mean she knew how she was going to get there <laughs> much like the game of thrones writers <laughs> they're like i know where we're gonna go but i don't know how we're gonna get there
5: that's the problem with that though is that like you don't take into account what happens in the you know eight or nine years between when you have already decided the ending and like the amount of character development that could happen yeah and
0: just like as a writer um like i've definitely experienced when you think you're writing a certain character and they just completely do their own thing and you wonder if you're slightly possessed that happens all the time it never goes exactly the way you think it's going to
2: i think something else to take into account is when she wrote this jk rowling like she wrote this, not famous, right? So she came up with that ending. She wrote
0: it on a napkin. <laughs> yeah, she
2: came up with that ending, not famous. But then, like, as the books especially start blowing up around, like, four or five, like, then she started, like, writing things. And now she's writing from a perspective of, oh, my God, I have millions of adoring people, millions yeah. of fans. Oh, they probably, you know, like, so I think you also see that kind of change in how she treats characters and how she kind of does things versus in the beginning, because she's basically kind of like i'm just writing a kid's story hopefully like somebody enjoys it which once again i think just adds to the charm of that first book really
3: i have a timeline question so (laughs) i know uh so um, almost immediately mr dursley is asking mrs dursley their son he'd be about dudley's age now wouldn't he but Dudley seems to be pretty far along in the development of a child in that he's got multiple words that he knows and he's No and able... won't. Right. And also that he's able to go up and down the street with Mrs. Dursley asking for sweets, which is a thing that McGonagall references. <laughs> but then in both the illustrations at the beginning of the chapter and based on the like words used, Harry's like a baby baby.
5: I think they're both about maybe like 18 months old between like 12 months old and 18 months old. And I think when they were talking about, like, walking up and
4: down the street, I don't know if they actually said it, walking. They but. don't say that he's walking up the street. It's, he said that uh, he's kicking his mother up and down the street, which could mean that she's carrying Caring him. His but there.
0: definitely, is not the one begging for sweets.
4: Yeah.
2: Actually, can we just give Dudley credit? I know everyone hates him, <laughs> but maybe the kid's smart, all right?
0: I would also like to point out a couple things. One, really good point with the, the developmental stuff. We're definitely not going to get too much into baby development here, but they do progress at different... Uh, Different rates, although I would argue that Dudley might be one of those babies who has everything given to them and never has to learn how to speak because everything's provided. Also, I think that the fact that Dudley is up and walking and talking a little bit, and the fact that in this chapter we only see Harry swaddled, he might have been had a spell put on him. I know he fell asleep just as we was flying over Bristol, but maybe that's because of magic or, you know, like... I
3: don't think, however, that makes the abject child abandonment that occurs at the end of this chapter any more. No, you're completely right. No, but it is part
4: of the course for wizards with the whole child endangerment thing. If you live, you live.
1: Guys, it's important. It's a governor and a vice principal of a school that left this child. That is like the highest authority you could possibly find. I
0: I think that the more you learn about Dumbledore, the less surprising this is. Mm -hmm. He is um, running a school, among many other clandestine maneuvers that we're not really certain of. Even by the end of the series, he's he's doing a lot, his schedule is full, and I think that he probably is one of those privileged old white dudes who's just like it'll be fine, this is my word, this is what I've decided it's gonna be fine, Minerva it's gonna be fine.
3: <laughs> no, cause I'll take that for Dumbledore and I'll take that for McGonagall, but Hagrid literally just weeping and then being like well, nothing to do now, off onto my
0: borrowed motorcycle but Dumbledore's his hero, like he, he Dumbledore is the whole reason that Hagrid has a life.
1: So I've got a theory about Dumbledore. Right. I think that J.K. Rowling one of the things that I think she deeply wanted that, I I can't speak for all of you, obviously, and I'd love to hear your input, I love Dom Dor no matter how weird and dark and awful he gets. I still love him because of how I identify with him, and I think J.K. Rowling really meant for him to not be that way. I think that she meant for him to be this like grandfather type figure and then for us to not like him by the end of it And then Harry try and pull us back into liking him The problem is that never happens because all of us I think have so much connection to him as both like the, the anchor point The hero the the ultimate wizened old man that we're willing to look past the endangerment and the keeping out of the loop.
0: I don't like Dumbledore And <laughs> I think that and <laughs> bear with me I think that the reason I don't like Dumbledore Is because he could have been more like Gandalf. (laughs) He could have had, like, just a little more, like, authority and, like, a little more edges. Instead, he's kind of just, like, floating around, talking in metaphors, always the kid gloves. It's gonna be okay. See,
5: it's so funny because I don't like Gandalf as much as I like Dumbledore because of that exact same reason. Because I think. Dumbledore is so similar to Gandalf, but Dumbledore has a lot more warmth and whimsy about him than Gandalf ever did.
0: Okay, quick. On three, everyone say if you like Dumbledore or Gandalf more. One, two, three. Dumbledore. Gandalf. That was helpful. That was aggressively <laughs> Dumbledore. Am I alone? Did anyone else say Gandalf? I like, I like Gandalf
4: better. I don't I dislike. Like Gandalf. I don't dislike Dumbledore. I think that they're it's kind of an apples to oranges thing, even though they're both like Odinic figures. Like they're they're dealing with different shit on different scales. Like Gandalf like is grumpier because he's dealing with more shit. Like he's dealing with the fate of the world. Dumbledore is dealing with the fate of community of maybe twenty thousand people.
2: Well, I actually think I think it goes back to the root of what they are. You know, Gandalf is a is a divinity, you know, he's a He's somebody chosen by, by a, a god and created to like watch over the world. And whereas Dumbledore, by his very nature, is a human being. And that's why we get the more whimsical, charming characters.
5: Yeah. I think it's interesting what you were saying about how J.K. Rowling wrote Dumbledore and how maybe she intended for us to interpret him and feel about him. I think she wrote him to be a grandfather figure that we, in the beginning we think is like perfect and he's always going to know the right answer he's always going to know what to do but then much like in real life and how we grow up with harry and how you grow up in real life you realize that like the adults and the the parental figures in your life that you look for for that you look to for guidance are all human and they all have mistakes that you that you learn about and it makes them human rather than uh, and he
3: asks for forgiveness I will also say that much like a grandfather, the parents have turned over this child effectively and the grandfather is just running wild trying to get the kids to like them like it's a lot of like candy and adventures and then at the very end they're like at the very end he's kind of like, hey so there's also this thing and your parents kind of told me about it and I kind of forgot but we do have to get to this point and um you're a sacrifice.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I forgot
2: that he was a sacrifice.
1: Well, It's important, though, because that—that that is an important key to why I think Dumbledore does so well with the way he does things, is that, yes, Harry is a sacrifice, but that doesn't mean that you isolate him and don't let him have a life, because... If you, can, if you think, because remember, he knows he's a sacrifice, but one of his educated guesses was that the ultimate sacrifice would result in him not dying and instead the peace of Voldemort's soul dying so okay. if that's So if that's the case, though, it's important because you need a child who's raised in such a normalized way that they ha- are decent enough that they are willing to make that sacrifice.
3: Generally incorrect because he did not find out about the Horcruxes until much
0: later. I also think that Dumbledore, much like Arthur Weasley has this like um idealization of muggles. Um, I think he's like, Can a dog really be bad? They're so stupid, they're just trying to do the right thing. Like muggles, they're like really trying out there, they like don't even have magic. They invented this thing called electricity to make their lights go. <laughs> that is part of why he kind of just disregards um McGonagall's worries here.
2: Well, I think it's something to take into account is is that as a as a plot device, the reason why Dumbledore kind of has to kind of turn and like not have the answers in book is because the stakes have to get higher. Whereas in the first few books, it's like it's it's Harry's little adventure. But then the day, you know, like the world's not going to fall apart. Like Dumbledore's there. He's going to at the end of every book. Do the sweet like, come here, Harry. Let me tell you, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go back through, and I'm gonna tell you everything.
0: Oh my god! I had a Facebook memory pop up like two days ago. That was like that moment. When you finish reading a Harry Potter book and there's 50 pages left for Dumbledore to explain himself. <laughs> and, and I
2: think that's kind of like the, the point is like, as the books are thinking, the stakes get higher. And then I think, too, if Dumbledore is an all-knowing figure and he's like this powerful, truly powerful figure, much like a Gandalf, then it's like, uh, then really, what is Voldemort? You know what I mean? And so I think what we see later in the books is, is that, no, Voldemort is a more powerful magician than a uh, wizard than uh, then Dumbledore and I, their... I love Voldemort as a magician. <laughs> check just like check this out. Kid. Also, how dare you? <laughs> but, but also, can we can we just really get back to the thing? Like, I love the fact and Brooks Burk up. I love the fact that Dumbledore's like, yo, dude, there's a rager. Like, he's like. <laughs> He's like, he's like, we may as well go and join the celebration. I'm like, I'd like to party with that guy.
0: It is canon that Dumbledore loves parties, okay? Like, I remember that one that, like, Christmas when almost everyone goes home in the Prisoner of Azkaban because they're all afraid of Sirius Black, and it's 13 people at the table, right? And Dumbledore's, like, getting crazy. He's, like, wearing crazy hats.
1: Uh, One thing that I do think is interesting is, like you said earlier, we do know that she wrote the end of the books first and then you know came back and filled in from the beginning and i think that one of the things that dumbledore gives off in my mind in this chapter that is, and this could be just because i know how everything goes but i've always read it as kind of him being very pensive about the whole situation like like yes he's gone now but I've always read as Dumbledore knows that he's going to come back. Maybe not necessarily because of Horcruxes, not necessarily because of fill in the blank, but he knows that Voldemort is not truly gone.
4: I think if anything, he just thinks that maybe it was a little too easy. I think Dumbledore is very trope savvy and like that that is <laughs> yes. like, his reading that explains a lot of like the shit he does like he mm-hmm. like he ra- lets Harry be raised as a sacrifice and like is involved in that but like he kind of knows like yeah but the hero will have to have a second chance at the end but like oh. if your evil super powered villain with like, s- like snake themes dies and there's no corpse like
5: mm. he ain't gone so McGonagall is kind of beating around the bush to find out whether or not the Potters have been killed or not and if Harry's lived. and she asks like how is it possible that a baby has survived or a toddler or whatever however old he is they're all babies until they're like five (laughs) until they can yeah go to school um and dumbledore says we can only guess we may never know and my inter i have two interpretations of that one is the he's trying to like downplay the fact that like We don't know everything because we need to be cautious here. He might, he's probably going to come at like, he needs to be, they all need to be cautious about the situation. But my my main reading of that is you two do know, you know exactly what happened and you're going to tell us at the end of this book, 11 years later, (laughs) you
3: know,
5: only partially and then we are going to have to wait another seven years.
3: Can I throw a brief shade at the fact that Missus Dursley comes strong out the gate, saying that Harry has a nasty common name when she named her child <laughs> Dudley Dursley? That's
5: not a common name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna step in here. You no more. No, he's a he's a child, a very intelligent and and smart child. So don't be putting shade on its name. To be fair, <laughs> no Dudley.
0: In my addition, my Dudley says. Shant. Oh yeah, that's so that's, that's exactly how I knew that okay. Yes, that's exactly how I knew that. So that's that a little that the, fancier. The illustrated editions say shant, and I was like, absolutely not. That is not what he See, says. I have this chapter memorized. I didn't think anything
5: of it because my brother had co- copies of every book in Brit in the, the British copy and the English copy. I say I say English like like British isn't an English language, but the, um, We know what you mean <laughs> you in this really context. Mean. So like I kind of flip-flopped between, like, when I was reading the books or rereading them. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, this time I'm going to read the British version or whatever. So I just, like... Didn't think anything of it that he said "shant" because I was like, "Yeah, they're British people. That makes sense."
3: Taking us back to child development, everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> the "sh" sound is far more difficult for most people to pronounce, and therefore, the fact that if his fir- if his like second word or it doesn't say second word, it just is a new word is actually "shant." It does say more to his overall intelligence than if his word that. is "what."
1: It also says something I'm a lot about uh, about the Dursleys themselves because I always imagine there's. There's this old British uh, uh, comedy called *Keeping Up Appearances*. It's about these social clim- this social climber woman named Hyacinth Bouquet, and I've always thought that the, uh, the the Dursleys were kind of like that, where they're you know nowhere near as well off as you would expect. They like you know like to project this image that isn't true And saying "shant" instead of "won't" enough that Dudley picks up the word "shant" over "won't." definitely fits in with
3: that. My favorite piece of characterization in this entire chapter is the fact that Mr. Dursley sits with his back to the window because what a fucking psychopath. I have a big beautiful window in my office, not to brag, Uh, But it is the only reason I don't off myself by the end of the workday. It's because I get beautiful golden hour glow, and it is when I take 100% of my Snapchat pictures.
0: Hey, I work in a dark, dark corner, so. (laughs) (laughs) And my light flickers. Your light is is the equivalent (laughs) to the light of a thousand (laughs) suns. We (laughs) recently moved Grace's desk into a window Well under a window. <laughs> Into um, a window. So I really to yeah. be fair I face a brick wall so <laughs> and it's a really narrow alleyway in view. <laughs> sometimes trucks um, really play past to moves in that
4: alleyway. I,
2: I think I think talking about views, I think it's really cool how th- this the whole book begins on this chapter and how we start off with a muggle. Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: I think it's cool. And also I think like Mr. Dursley going through his day, it's it's a day that most of us would go through. Like we all miss things, we don't notice things and there's all these crazy things going on. And literally after you read it, you kind of have to go about your day looking around being like, okay, like maybe I'm missing stuff.
5: I love how it starts out. It's this like beautiful magical tale. And it starts out with the worst
0: possible non-magical people Mm -hmm. ever. I think that Vernon Dursley is like, really up there with like with like umbrage in terms of like god-awful characters like locking children in closets and
2: raising Dudley (laughs) he's just
3: the worst I have another timeline question so they're saying that Mrs. Potter was Mrs. Dursley's sister but they hadn't met for several years in fact Mrs. Dursley pretends she didn't even have a sister blah 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 blah. okay So are they then chatting on the phone? Because if they haven't met for several years, how do they know about their less than one-year-old child? Um...
4: I think maybe other family members. I think Lily probably, like, has tried to reach out by mm-hmm. sending mm-hmm. letters to, like, that seems like a Lily thing to do. Like, she sent Christmas cards and stuff, probably, and Petunia just does not respond. Wait, maybe even with, like, a photo.
0: To be
3: fair, how effing shocking would it be as someone who utterly detests magic to constantly get those, like, photo Christmas cards of people just moving in place?
1: really <laughs> well, it set them on fire. Re- referencing stuff from later on that we know, we do know later on that they were really <laughs> (laughs) close until Lily went off to school and I could totally and it does seem from things from I can't remember exactly how it's done but when she learns about I think it's when she learns about the Dementors that Petunia like kind of perks up and kind of asks are you sure like you know she obviously has more knowledge of the world so there was a period of time at least where she had an interest and so I can totally see a scenario where uh, Lily would have been sending letters to Petunia and petunia would definitely be the type who likes to know everything going on it says she looks over the fences and looks yeah, up definitely
0: and stuff. um so, definitely petunia is like down until until her jealousy maxes out and that's what leads her i think to kind of like wholly reject the magical world because it rejected her and i feel like that's how she feels so definitely they communicated i think at least for the first couple of years of lily's schooling
2: I, th- I think maybe, maybe a counterpart to that is maybe it's actually not jealousy maybe, maybe at first it was jealousy but especially as the potters go down this uh, wormhole especially uh, fighting against Voldemort maybe she sees the danger of the magical world and you know just like a lot of people if you're, if you're about to get punched or like oh, there's a car wreck you close your eyes Maybe in a lot of ways, they're just closing their eyes. And that's why they're so scared and violent to it, is because they see the danger of the Wizarding World. That's beautiful.
4: I always kind of wondered about something. like So Harry goes to the Dursleys, right? Because there's only living relatives. His grandparents on his dad's side are dead. And his grandparents on Lily's side are also dead. Murder everywhere. Like, Like, I... I have kind of a theory that like maybe Lily's parents were like m- murdered by Voldemort. Like that wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility, and, and that would give um, Petunia yeah like, more I kinda, reason I to
0: wish fear. That had and, been explored.
2: And also, more reason to be bitter to her sister, mm-hmm. and also to be bitter to this child because you know like we're all human. And you're looking thing. And you're like because of you, because of all of this, and you're showing it. It's like your your abilities are unhinged and showing it even as a young child. I could kind of see how like
1: it could make you wrathful and very vengeful well, to a child. And I think that jealousy is definitely a piece of it, but I think that it's more of jealousy of the type where you stole my best friend from me. At first it was jealousy that she wasn't there, but as time went on, it, I don't think it was jealousy of not having these powers. It was jealousy of the fact that I had my best friend that was my sister and I lost that.
0: And I think that's something that we can all kind of relate to in a Mm -hmm. way. Like when your friend gets into something that you Mm -hmm. aren't involved in, it's like, dude, we're
1: supposed to be together. We were right and die. Yeah. <laughs> with, with that
2: being said, I hated these characters. Okay. Like, like with that being said, with all this maturity as an adult, mind you, speaking um, as as a teenager and as a child, reading this, no, I hated them, and I had, I still have no sympathy for them. So let me be said with that.
3: Also, in general, to throw, I mean, like. Spinning up the maturity angle to be honest to throw some like respect on their name the dursleys are perfect for each other a plus marriage absolute truth like meant for each other written for each other type people definitely
0: yeah i um, think reading it you know as an adult i i have a new respect for vernon because he is so terrified of petunia, mm-hmm. just like. This. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he's trying to like broach the hairy yeah. subject, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. Also, okay, so I do have like pre, like I have questions that we have not explored, which is like great. They're here for like emergencies. Um, and one of them is like, what do you remember when about when you read this, like maybe for the first time or as a child? And one thing that I remember from reading it when I was a child is, um, Vernon Dursley works for a firm that makes drills, right? And I remember being like firm. Pretty sure I had to ask my dad. He was like, that's a company. And I was like, cool, got it. And then I'm I'm pretty sure I was like, well, it can't be like drills. You make those in a factory. That doesn't make any sense. It must be something that I don't know. It must be a grown-up thing, like running fire drills. Or That's stuff.
1: what I thought. I thought it was like a, <laughs> like a drills, like an emergency situation planning company really? when I was young. Yes.
3: In general, I, this whole intro to him as a character washed completely over yeah. my head as a child because I was just like, all right, he's an adult. Like, this, do this is boring yeah. shit. <laughs> right. Adults do boring shit. This, right, is, this, is,
4: this is what all adults do.
1: Yeah, and par all, for the course. All, all adults that are in charge obviously yell at a few people every day. That's normal. That's
4: <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. Something Man. I picked up God. on on this read through is that he has a secretary. Imagine being the worst teacher a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> In in general, Vernon
3: Dursley is, like, a pretty high-ranking person in this Mm -hmm. company, and I think that the Harry Potter movies did a real disservice to them on the general size of their home. I feel like they have more Mm. money because petunia is also a stay-at-home
2: mom he works yeah he works for a firm that does drills but I agree with andrew it's a non-profit that teaches people how to do fire drills <laughs> do you really
4: think
0: because so. god knows
2: there's these wizards running around with cloaks and candles
0: i bet i can find something okay, to misper- okay. All right, so it's all it's i'm like, saying is so this
2: is a good a man who loves his wife even, and loves his child
3: okay even wait. if I work for a nonprofit, 100% guarantee not everyone in a nonprofit is here to save the world. There are also the budgeting department.
0: I would like to say that Mary Clay and I are looking at the illustrated edition. I have previously pointed this out to Haley. On the very first page of this chapter, it's a sample, the illustration is a sample of the Dursley's wall, including the bottom of a calendar from Grunnings where it says, Boring is our business. God. Definitely, for sure, not Fire Trails. That I wish a- I had this illustration, edi- Illustrated Edition when I was a kid. Such Loosh. a top-notch pun right I know, there. I <laughs> literally was like, oh my god, look at this! <laughs> I've discovered something wonderful.
3: <laughs> I, I am glad that you brought that up because I'm sure the illustrator that decided on putting that there was like, I hope someone gets this.
5: Also, at one point in one of the, I think it's in Goblet of Fire, someone pointed out to me that in the background in Ron's room on his bookshelf, you can see a stamp for... I don't know what... It's, it has something to do with Lord of the Rings. It's his, Is it an elvish?
0: It's, it's, it's Tolkien's monogram. It okay. has like a J-R-R-T in it. Okay,
5: yeah. And so people were like, Ron reads Lord of the Rings. I, I came <laughs> up with several theories. I mean, I was like, first of all, it would make more sense that Hermione was the one who read Lord of the Rings. And second of all, I think the only way... That Ron would read Lord of the Rings is if Tolkien was a wizard writer because there's no way he would read Muggle books. So that means J.R. Tolkien is a wizard, and that's why his books make no sense is because he's writing it as a wizard, and it. we're Muggles, and that's why we're like, where did and all this Gandalf information was come is Based on Dumbledore, <laughs>
0: or Gandalf was based on April Fourth, Edgy Dumbledore. Yeah
1: possibly go f- I I can't or...
0: possibly go I'm really excited for us like 7 years
5: from now to get to that
0: chapter. <laughs> <laughs> also, like the fact that I uh, these are children's books and we are in no uncertain terms like completely sure that Aberforth definitely was accused of fucking goats. <laughs> I want to know like what language was used.
1: I think it said like inappropriate uh, performing inappropriate, com- inappropriate charms, charms on, on a goat. goat. Yes,
3: so <laughs> no. definitely. Fucking. To be fair, when I oh, fair, read that as a child, I definitely interpret that more as like inappropriate charms on a goat. Like, oh, he tried to turn the back half into a frog or some shit.
5: Yeah, like, I- or <laughs> he tried to like. He was
0: like, "What if a goat had two butts? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's an episode of Bob's. Birthday. Burgers, as, tube, but a
1: goat. As, as a young boy, I definitely read it as Aberforth was fucking a goat. I think I did too, because it's in
0: like book six or seven yeah. and my mind was already in
1: the No, goat no, head. even as a teenager, then, I was like, nah, nah, nah,
2: he's favorite. definitely just mutilating goats. That's yeah, what he's doing. Yeah, I
3: definitely yeah. thought it was more violence and less sexual.
5: <laughs> my favorite is, one we're one is in the fifth one when they go to the Hogshead, which later on we learn that Aberforth owns. And when they're in the hogshead, you see there's a goat walking around in it. And that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Easter eggs that they put oh, in. yeah. I
0: love that attention to detail. <laughs>
5: um, so speaking of attention to detail, I love this. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to talk about No, that was how... a great segue. <laughs> um, one of my favorite Dumbledore moments is when... Um... D- McGonagall's try to be serious and be like, hey, what happened? Like, I've heard these rumors that Voldemort was gone, is gone now. What do you think happened? And he, and he goes, he says, it certainly seems so. We have much to be thankful for. Would you care for a sherbet lemon? <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> and McGonagall goes, what? <laughs> like, that was not the time, Albus. <laughs>
4: Another comment on this same conversation, uh, the whole thing about you-know-who versus, like, using the name, mm-hmm. like, I cannot tell you how furious I was when I got to book seven and we found out, like, after no one telling us for six years, like, oh no, the name's literally cursed. I I think think that that only happens in the seventh book. That only happens in the seventh book, but, like, that was probably happening, like, at the time. Like, that's why people didn't want to use his name was because someone would turn up and, like, fuck your shit. Dumbledore wants everyone to use the name because they can't possibly keep up if everyone's using the name, but, like, also... Y'all are alone right now, and you know that not everyone uses the name. Don't fucking do it.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think that it's taboo in the first war because that's what they refer to as, right? It's it's taboo, and if you say it, then they show up. And yeah, like taboo with a
0: capital T. Yeah, and
1: I don't think it is in the first war because at this point, I still don't think Dumbledore or uh, Voldemort, the Death Eaters, would have necessarily have been together enough to know what's going on. You're going to have people in the field that are still, you know, deeply undercover or deeply on missions, whatever the case may be. And if there was someone whose job was sitting in an isolated area waiting for someone to say the name, then they would have shown up. I I really think that's something they do later on because Dumbledore's army, and Harry in particular, pushes so hard to not be afraid to say the name.
0: I also think that just the language Dumbledore uses in this is like... I've never seen any reason to fear it. And he's not, like, a fucking idiot. Like, if there's a reason to fear it, he'll be like, okay, like, there's a reason to right. fear
2: it. Actually, that dialogue kind of shows that maybe Dumbledore is the the more stronger character than we think, or the smarter character, because if, if Voldemort is dead, as a lot of people are assuming in that moment by saying his name you're testing the waters if it is cursed if, if it is if during the first war it is cursed you're testing the waters that
0: like, is a very high risk right? experience yeah, they're, nice. <laughs> they're, they're like Voldemort <laughs>
2: but but you gotta remember this is war people are taking chances that risk their lives and so like maybe Dumbledore is testing it out and then the flip side the fact that like McGonagall she's a very strong uh witch in her own right but obviously, Dumbledore's like, look, I know you want to take on the burdens of the world, and I know you want to worry about everybody, but let me do that. I'm worrying about it. And maybe that's one of the reasons he feels guilty is when God like, you, you, you could do it, but you just don't. Maybe he's like, maybe, maybe I could have stopped this all. If, yeah, if I would have leaned towards the dark arts, maybe I could have stopped this. So maybe I have guilt on my hands, and I'm trying to make you not think of these things. And so, have a candy and, like... You know, <laughs> have like, a candy, like,
0: fuck like, fuck think, the fuck up. And show the
2: fuck up. And also, I think he's also embracing the future, because now the world's wide. So why think of the past and think of sad things when you should be thinking of the prosperity that is anew? Because he who must not be named is gone.
0: We call him Voldemort in this club. <laughs> the other thing to do
3: with the name that kind of honestly pissed me off as I went through, everyone does the he who must not be named... And like Voldemort, in and of itself, is a nonsense name. Like and also it's people made up. Like
4: shuddering and gasping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like, all like. Oh, I would never. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Okay. Well, <laughs> the
3: thing is, it's like, I there there is no equivalent. I don't think in our society. Like, there's no one. Hitler. Name. Yeah, like I'm <laughs> fine saying Hitler. To be fair, I don't think he's gonna pop up in my living room anytime <laughs> soon, but. I It pissed me off as a kid that, like, basically they're afraid to say someone's self-invented nickname. And is there a lamer thing than a self-invented <laughs> nickname?
0: Do you, I, we already delved into this a little bit, besides the whole drill debacle, what do you guys remember about reading this as a kid? For example, I vividly remember reading the description of Dumbledore for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure, with uh, with a couple exceptions. So, this is the first fantasy book I ever really read. Um, and the way she describes him is positively enchanting with the twinkling eye and the half moon spectacles. And, like, I'm pretty sure he's wearing high heels. Yeah, high heel buckle boots. I was like, this guy is badass. I love it. I love it.
1: The two things that I definitely remember the most for some reason, and I, I don't know why they went together. The first was that apparently this lady can turn into a cat, and um, which I don't think they ever directly say that she turns. in like they referenced that she was the cat, but they never referenced the transformation. And then the second thing is for whatever reason I latched on the idea that put out her, mm-hmm. which not for the reason that it would be super important later on, but it always pissed me off when I would watch the movies because like you see the light, travel to the put outer, whereas in the book it very clearly says that he clicks it and the light just goes out.
0: And I think that's like a great um, like, like question in general, and like the magic you, you know, there's a lot of different fantasy out there with a lot of different magical systems and the extent to which they are subject to like physics, you mm-hmm. know is like, um, it definitely exists on like a gradient
2: no i think the putter outer is the thing i remember the most as a kid reading rereading it now as an adult i'm i'm drawn to the details and like the the dursleys and everything but like really it's that putter outer because i do it it, it's so vividly painted the street for me because i imagine street lights going out on a small street and i thought that was like like, whoa but also i love the word putter outer Mm -hmm. because it really introduces you to how wizards construct things but now as an adult i think man this book must have been crazy in german Because Germans use a lot of compound words. So like if you're a German translator, you're like, thank God there's an easy word that I can translate and easily put into a German book. It it was a cool way to introduce you to these crazy, weird, wizarding concepts.
3: It's also such a delightful place to essentially... start us off with magic Mm -hmm. ease us into it it. yeah but it's it's because it's such a unimpressive bit of magic and yet it's so clearly nothing else could have caused it because we haven't actually used the word magic at all and we don't
0: i think for a couple chapters
3: no and we're kind of still not sure we know that the potters are a thing we know people wearing robes is weird. And then, and so all we know about this world, this is the first time we see something that actually goes wrong. As a kid, the idea that owls are around in the daytime probably goes over most people's head. It went yeah. over my head. Well, and also it's like, that's another country. There could be so many owls there. Right. <laughs> and
1: I've been to the zoo, I saw owls in the daytime. <laughs> I
3: also want to say the only thing I remember about Dumbledore is the purple cloak because purple's my power color.
4: The whole thing hooked me, obviously, but, like, the one image that always stayed with me, like, just, that just stuck in my head was after all of the lights on the street have gone out and the only light remaining are the little green pinpricks of McGonagall's eyes Mm -hmm. as the cat.
2: I just love the fact that, like,
0: immediately I love Hagrid. He speaks differently than everyone else. And I remember, like... N- noticing that was this the first time you ever read a dialect, probably? Yeah, I think, I think it was. I think me too. It's hard to get into, but she does it in such a way where it's really organic. Yeah. As editors, that can be quite hard. We, you it's know. True. Yeah, definitely Hagrid stands out. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a lot at the end of the chapter there, where it's like Hagrid shows up and he's on a flying bike and he's talking about these other characters and he's crying. Yeah. And then there's a baby. It's a lot, um, mm-hmm. but definitely. I think that Hagrid establishes his character in the first sentence and it stays completely consistent through the entire series. And I think that's why he's such a beloved character. You never doubt him for one second.
3: I would like to ask what you guys think Hagrid's physique is like, because he is listed as being, uh, let's see, twice as tall as a normal man, five times as wide, which does not sound like great proportions. And yet the last thing we hear of him is his vast muscular arms and I will just say I you guys we're gonna have to post a picture of Michael Michael has an almost ideal male physique
4: um <laughs> you know what, you're he, right about that and this is what peak performance looks like and, and you're right he
3: has deeply muscular arms if you need a visual at home like Henry Cavill um <laughs> <laughs> but he is certainly not proportionally three times wider than he is tall that is
0: weird. I it's like um, it's like dwarf strength, I, I, like that. That like, but you know what I mean. Like wider than tall. That's like a dwarf thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I pulled up a picture, and the closest thing that I've always been able to think of is Tyson Fury, who I know from. Not, I think everyone at this table, except maybe Michael, means nothing. But Tyson Fury to me is like the epitome of. But- Really tall, with really big arms, but still has kind of a belly and, like... I,
3: I do not see those as being muscular arms, though. Those look deeply
0: like just arms. See? I would like to say that, like, a lot of really big dudes who are sometimes really fat have to be super fucking strong under there, or else they would never be able to carry their own weight. I, I feel
4: like he's, like, a powerlifter. lifter. Yeah. a power lifter. Like, like, just on a different scale of size. I,
2: I won't lie, the powerlifters don't work their arms. Really? I I won't lie we don't we don't don't. (laughs) know (laughs) I (laughs) do the movie movie ruins the image to me because I think the movie of all characters they did such a great job of painting the character of Hagrid in the movies and like Robbie Culture, yeah Yeah, like what you imagine to be and also how you imagine to act and sound that to me indelibly no matter how long it's been I will
1: my brain just veers yeah. to Yeah,
0: and well, Brooke alluded to that in our teaser that the movie really informs a lot of things. The, the other
1: thing that I want to point out, too, is that it, it at a later point, I believe it says that uh, Hagrid's hands are as big as trash can lids. Yep.
0: Which, well, like I think that's a so classic the most, metal, right? Yes.
1: But still, that is the most terrifying aspect. Oh, I mean, look at
2: this picture.
1: Twelve feet tall, fine. Five times wider than a normal human, fine. But if you have hands that are like a foot in diameter, my no, god. No, no, no,
2: no. You Wait. guys are so wrong. He was talking. She was talking about IKEA trash can lids, much smaller, <laughs> European size <laughs> trash can lid. Who
0: has seen um, Disney's Brave?
2: Yes, yes, yes. yes.
0: Um oh, Daddy? Dad? Yeah, King Fergus. I'm trying to find a good picture to show to the class. I can't find like a good, here, like a good full body picture. Of um, like no, I would say like I'm totally no, Hagrid. Dad from oh, Brave yeah. is probably
3: Hagrid Proportions, except with more dolphin-shaped feet. <laughs> and so. I'm what not
0: else? the peg leg. Wait, if anyone
3: could me? do an edit for me of the dad from Brave but with Hagrid hair and dolphins for feet, <laughs> please at me Passion for Parks, would love to
0: see yeah. it. We will post any fan art on our Instagram. It's
1: similar to the uh, dad from How How to Train Your Dragon. That same Is life. that the
0: one I'm thinking Stoic of? I think that might have actually been the one that I was thinking oh of that got me Stoic the best So are the we best. saying that <laughs> Really, at his core, he's a Viking. Hagrid is a Viking. He's a Viking, and you know what? And the fact that my brain went to Gimli at first with the proportions—we we said we have previously said in an unrelated conversation that Gimli fucks like a Viking. I, mean, I think this is all related.
3: By the way, that was a hundred percent me. I rank Gimli very high in the people I would fuck from Lord of the Rings list.
4: <laughs> what? a yes. <Yes>. perfect gentleman. <laughs> you can
2: cut
3: this
5: no. part I need to know, like, what is your list? Because mine is. Like, so as her honestly. fiance, I can
2: say she has made me crouch down and
3: disappeared <laughs> It's I have, very weird. This explains a lot. I now. have tried to she convince that I have tried to convince oh, Michael here. to dress as a Viking for Halloween every year we've been dating. Okay, okay. Who's Gimli above? So Gimli is for sure above Legolas. Yep. I know. She doesn't
0: go for the I
3: love. Same. I love an elfy boy. I love an elf boy. Look, Gimli is my one night stand number <coughs> one because Gimli would be the perfect kind of guy. He's going to be kind to you. He will definitely be chill about it, but he will also pick you up and fuck you against when the wall. Is no he, questions. When has Gimli in his life ever been chill? No, no, he's not chill. He's chill like amongst his friends when he needs to be, but like he's got like a raw passion in him combined with kind of a brute strength thing. Happy to come on your podcast and discuss <laughs> who I would fuck from Lord. The Lord, Lord. Lord.
0: <laughs> Does anyone <laughs> have any fucking thoughts? What fucking thoughts? No, no. Does anyone else have any goddamn thoughts? Oh, um, <laughs> fucking thoughts!
5: I think Dumbledore's um. bottom for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why? Because he's frail. No, no, he just, just Obviously, this is me
5: name, Johnny Depp. Uh, oh, no. Grindelwald? Grindelwald. Grindelwald is obviously
0: a top. Okay, we're getting into some really messy shit, and regardless of how I feel <laughs> about That's the, Fant-
1: Grindelwalds.
0: Regardless of how I feel about the Fantastic Beast movies, I think that is spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Grindelwald is in. No,
2: no, no, no! I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Dumbledore is straight, and he's actually a creeper because once again, going back to that, <laughs> let's go to the party he's thing. He's
5: on the record gay though. He's yeah.
2: trying to. Re- yeah, it could be. Yeah, he looks
5: in the mirror, and yeah. sees Grindelwald.
2: Yeah, but all I'm saying is he's handing Mysterious Candy to uh, <laughs> and then he's like, yo, let's go to this party. The book came out in 1997 and if you look at the music coming out in that time, one, Spice Girls dominating the airwaves, people. <laughs> I mean, dominating. We're looking at, like, number one British hit songs. I mean, Spice Girls pop up, like, four or five times.
1: So you've so like, yeah, so go got to a lot like,
2: Chemical Brothers going on and, also, this is very important and I think this actually influences the plot. Just hear me out. Spice World came out in 1997 and if you're a gay wizard you're definitely hitting that shit and you're like yo like, let's not do sadness let's party with the Spice Girls
3: since we now know that Spice Girls was a number one hit <laughs> I like to think that at these parties Spice Up Your Life is the official song of celebrating Voldemort's death
1: <laughs> I do think that this chapter, especially on a reread, because I'll never be able to remember exactly how it made me feel the first time, but it definitely feels like you're, like, on a roller coaster, and you can hear the click, 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 like, and then, you know, he goes to work, and he gets bumped into, and click, 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 and then, you know, he's coming home, and he's seeing all the owls, click, 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 and then, you know, you see what's obviously in McGonagall, and just, it's like, you're getting hyped, you're like, I'm getting ready, like,
0: because, because the way you're, like, reading this book, the things that he's questioning, you know. Right. It's like, did they say Harry? And you're like, the name of this fucking book is Harry Potter. <laughs> like, yeah, they said Harry. And it's like owls and shit, and you're like, like, that's on the cover. Maybe not of these other editions, but on mine, that is the prominent thing on the cover. So it's like you for like five seconds know more than the book.
3: I really, really liked that that it basically ends with a visual montage that like covers over the next years. So the, you know, you're kind of looking at, you're like, okay, so so not knowing he was famous, not knowing he would be woken in a few hours time by Mrs. Dursley's scream as she opened the front door to put out the milk bottles. So that's your first image. Nor that he would spend the next few weeks being prodded and pinched by his cousin Dudley. And then he couldn't know at this very moment, people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices, Harry Potter, the boy who lived, ending in an exclamation point, which I quite like, it's a strong literary choice. You get this like visual moment of like, okay, the moment they find him, And you can almost hear, like, a song playing in the background of, like, she opens the door, she sees the baby, and then it's, like, them sitting on the couch watching, like, Dudley just, like, poke at this new addition, and then it's interspaced with just a bunch of people in wizarding outfits, like, cheersing and just being so, so elated while you get the contrast of this family whose whole worlds have just been
0: ruined. And it's funny because you don't get that montage in the movies. It's in the books only. I also just wanted to... Point
5: out another line that I think, from our context, like knowing what we know now and visiting back to one of the greatest franchises of all time, where um, McGonagall says he'll be famous, a legend. I wouldn't be surprised if today was known as Harry Potter Day. In future, there will be books written about Harry. Every child in our world will know his name. I love that line so much because it's also. Obviously, when she was writing it, she wouldn't have known that it was a fourth wall break. Like she never would have imagined that every child in the world would know the name Harry Potter.
0: It has two meanings. And
5: now, because of yeah, everything that we know, it's it's like it carries so much meaning for this whole series.
2: I, I think something too, to especially that last paragraph and how it creates that duality. Um, there's something consider is that you know, yes, the book's named Harry Potter, but we're not we're not known as Harry as a hero or what he is. But in that final paragraph, we are exposed to a common theme that is the hero in literary circles, where, you know, it's like almost like Batman where he can take it, whereas the rest of us can enjoy and appreciate our lives. And here he is before he even has a choice, before he even has the ability to think or understand his part, he is automatically already taking the harder road the harder thing and i really really love that setting because it 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 sets us to know that harry is
1: a hero so one thing another fun little fan theory that i've always loved is the idea that jk rowling is actually a rogue wizard who (laughs) what who just took like the most well-known and most common story in all of wizarddom and was like i couldn't make it as a wizard I'm gonna fucking write the Harry Potter series. I'm gonna I'm going to tell his life and Rita Skeeter her way into <laughs>
5: and fame is- and
1: fortune. And it's gotten to the point where it took off so quickly. And she sent it to all these publishers. And even though it's a great story, the reason that they didn't publish it is there was at least one wizard working there or someone connected to the wizard world who was like, "Oh fuck no, you're not doing this." And so she kept like you know clandestinely sending it out. And finally, she got it to one tiny little publisher. It was like, "Okay, yeah, we can do this." And it turns out that like they don't realize that they're basically printing out an encyclopedia entry yeah
5: this isn't from from her perspective as wizard JK Rowling these this is a biography
1: right this is
3: a very long dense biography
1: we think it's fantasy but in reality all the wizards are like fuck they all know but they don't realize they know
3: she put in a lot of messy teen romance if this is a biography and I am creeped out
0: I think that is a great place to end this episode you guys feel good about it Yeah, yes. about that. i personally after reading this chapter and i'm incredibly stoked when i start reading those first words i just really i said it once and i'll say it again it's like coming home so thank you guys for coming here today thanks to all our listeners for <laughs> bearing with us um yeah i'm stoked we can go on the circle maybe if anyone has anything to plug anything cool you've been reading or watching lately that you want to share um and feel free to say pass if you want to pass but you have to say it so that people can keep track of who's who
4: yeah pass <laughs> Starting have round. nothing going on <laughs> and i
0: told you you couldn't say the witcher so here we are um i've been watching outlander cool yeah oh that book's on my shelf which is why i haven't seen it i want to read it but
5: too late. Oops, to You're enjoying show. it. I am.
0: It seems pretty badass. Thanks. So you recommend Outlander? Sure.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna plug my Lord of the Rings podcast. Like I'll probably do every single week. Look it up at Tolkien About Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the first time. If you have not watched any of the Good Place, watch all of it now and then prepare yourself. I say this coming off of uh, it was like a week ago that the finale premiered and um, I cried so many tears. I want to go on and on and on, but I won't about how The Good Place, I think is one of the most perfect television series created because it's an example of what happens when the creators put the story before, they put the story first before like money. And instead of the producers saying like, oh, this is so popular, let's renew it again, and let's, let's keep bringing it back. The producers and writers were like, no, we have this story in mind, and we're gonna write it, and that's it.
1: So I, uh, I have two things that I just recently have uh, gone back and read, one I finished and one I restarted. Uh, so I just finished, I'd never watched see, uh, season three or four of Sherlock, and so I just watched those for the first time, and oh, holy no. shit! The second to last episode of that series, the last five minutes of it is like—I don't know if they meant it this way, but it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. When the other thing is, I'm rewatching uh, the West Wing, which is—I <laughs> know that's weird. It is one it like I first watched it with my parents when I was like 11 years old, and it, I've that I've, I've rewatched that at least once every two or three years, and I'm going back and rewatching it. So that's what I've been doing.
3: I have a small podcast to recommend for you, which is Jules from NZ, um, a girl I used to know very well while I was living in New Zealand, Um, her name is Julia Burgesser. she is doing an excellent podcast about New Zealand. It's a funny, tiny country. If you know nothing about it, it is a delightful podcast. There's are short 30 minute episodes. And she just goes in depth about random things about New Zealand. And I think it's a beautiful introduction to the country. And I think it goes so far beyond most people's reference point, which is just Lord of the Rings or the fact that there are beautiful, sweeping landscapes and takes you through things like the history and the mythology. It's a really gorgeous podcast. Jewels from NZ, highly recommend it.
2: You can follow me or Weird Cars uh, at Weird Cars RVA on Instagram. Also, big shout out to the fact that there was a Super Bowl once that didn't actually have the Patriots in it and didn't actually have Tom Brady. And then also, uh, if you're a huge fan of Harry Potter, uh, there's a really good movie that came out in the '90s. That I think really helps uh, solidify and create that vibe. If you're reading right now, um, a lot of fantasy and a lot about empowerment, female empowerment. Um, check it out. Uh, you might find it on Netflix or wherever. Uh, Spice World. Uh, <laughs>
0: He almost yeah, made me well. spit butterbeer all over <laughs> my book
2: Really just really great I think it really sets the mood so check it out sometime That's Michael all
0: did you just
3: google to see If it was available on Netflix before you recommended it
2: Yeah yeah I did
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only responsible thing I did.
1: Michael, um, I love
0: you. If you're local to Richmond, I've been taking improv classes at Coalition Theater recently. They have a lot of really cool shows, a couple every week. So if you are local, definitely check that out. Also, I just finished reading the Vicious series by Victoria Schwab. Grace recommended it to me. And um, if you're looking for something that is uh, incredibly more metal than Harry Potter, <laughs> um, just so much murder it's so good so i could not recommend it more thank you guys so much for being here now get the fuck out of my house The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise deeply in love with the description of Hagrid's
3: uh, feet in their leather boots were like baby dolphins. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that simultaneously <laughs> paints such a picture and paints no picture at all. It, like, it, so it, you know?
1: shows, it shows that those boots serve a porpoise. <laughs> oh, my
0: yeah. God. No. Andrew, no. you have been voted off the island. Oh, <laughs> Especially because
3: voted out of I'm imagining a dolphin and there's obviously the size comparison. But furthermore, I'm wondering about the shape of these boots because dolphins kind of have a curve shape to them that unless it's inverted, yeah. but even if it's inverted, that's a real... That's like a leprechaun shoe. Yeah, and it's got a it's got a, a fanned heel on it at that point because <laughs> Show dolphin
0: us your
4: fan art
1: of these dolphins. That H- yes. needs means a lot of arch support. That's the problem. <laughs>
4: exactly. I, think, I think we're all misreading this line. Clearly, what it means is that his boots are made from the skins of baby dolphins.
0: No, he would never! First now, of all, he has no, no idea what a dolphin is. That's a muggle that's animal. That's why I think he would totally go for it. It's like it's a
3: muggle animal. It's kind of one of those things where they're like, it's baby dolphin boots. And he's like, the gray looks cool. I,
1: don't I just know. want to point out, we're assuming that it's a muggle animal. No,
3: it's... No, you...
0: Dolphins are basic as fuck, okay? They are definitely muggles.
3: They are the symbol of a 90s tramp stamp, so (laughs) there is no way that wizards are in on that. And also, we do have the definitive text of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and dolphins are not in there.
0: Also, shout out to my best friend and uh, Harry Potter pal, Alexis, who knows that I deeply (laughs) love dolphins. (laughs) They've always been my favorite animal. I thought
5: you were about to reveal that you have a dolphin tramp
1: stamp. Ask her what her favorite chapter is and we can try and like do a different night of recording where she comes She's in. invited all
0: of them. Alexis, you're invited to all of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dolphins are not
0: though. <laughs> no dolphins. <laughs> no dolphin. Um, dolphin, dolphin turns up gets yes. turned in a
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That movie sucked. I kinda liked it.
1: Movie night crew
3: network.